passage this morning, um, and a very difficult passage to apply. Uh, how about that? So often we go with the we go <laughs> we go with the hey be anxious about everything, right? And uh, we might re- try to rewrite this verse. Um, as believers, there are a lot of things that trouble us, right? You guys have troubles? Anybody have any worries? Anybody got trouble this morning? Just Gary. Perfect. Man, we don't even need this. We don't need this text then. Oh, and Bob. Gary and Bob. Wow. Maybe you'll identify with some of these things. Maybe you're, maybe you're a, a guy that works and you own your own business. And, and you're waiting to be paid for the job that you've completed. Right? And you're thinking... And, th- and these people are withholding the money from you, and they're thinking, well, you didn't quite do it this way, so I'm not going to pay you. And you're wondering, well, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to pay my workers? Maybe that's, maybe that's happened to you before. Or um, maybe uh, your, your teenage son or daughter, they show no signs of walking with Jesus. And your heart is, is broken. Your heart is worried about the, the state of you know what happens for those who who don't walk with Jesus at the end of their lives, and your heart is full of anxiety about that. Or maybe it's things about the future. You spend your time um, on what's tomorrow. You know, a pastor maybe who looks at a congregation that's getting older, and you wonder what the future is going to be like. How are we going to reach the next generation? Sorry, I'm, some of these things are my own. to tell on myself, right? Or maybe your vehicle breaks down, right? And you're wondering, how am I going to get the money to pay for that, to pay for that expense? Um, or maybe you're in a relationship with someone, a friend, and your relationship starts to, to get distanced. And you begin to, to think, well, what did I do? You know what? They, they must not like me anymore. They're, they're going to unfriend me, you know, on Facebook. They're going to leave me, and it might not even be true. You know, recently, um, Karen was having some health issues, and uh, she was really struggling with having energy, and, um, and there was a lump. And, and you start to think about those things. And my mind, when, when you say lump, and then you go to the doctor, and they're like, well, we're going to need to go have this all checked out. My mind just runs straight to, well, she's got cancer. You know what? This is the end. How am I going to take care of my kids? I don't even know how to cook. You know, how am I going to cook for my kids, let alone get them where I need to go and still do my job? And, boy, I, I had her, like, gone and buried in my mind before we even really got a diagnosis. And we found out it's just a flesh wound, Right? It's just a thyroid, you know? Those parts go out and you get some medication and these things happen, right? But man, in the midst of those things, in the waiting, my goodness, my heart's anxious and you run towards things that aren't even true. Does anybody else in this congregation ever overthink a situation? Do you? Man, bunch of sinners in this church. Man, you guys need the grace of God. Amen. You can worry yourself to death. It really can happen, right? You can become so anxious about a situation that it can stress you out. It can add so much stress. It can affect your body, your actual health, your real health. How many times do we walk down the path of worry in our minds and we finally come to the conclusion that these things simply aren't true? We go, man, why did I waste all that time thinking about that? It's a dangerous path, isn't it? The path of anxiety, the path of worry, the path of fear. And it can rob us of all joy and peace in our lives. It can leave us paralyzed, right? Paralyzed by fear. It'll leave us left left for dead along the path of life. 
And I know this because I've walked down this path. <laughs> I've exhausted myself over and over again trying to control these scenarios on my own. If I can just think about it from every angle, think about any situation from every angle, then maybe I can solve this thing. And I've come to the conclusion in my life that <laughs> it's simply not true, right? And this morning we're coming to a passage of Scripture that is going to be very familiar to most of you. This particular text, though, it provides for us a definitive answer for our anxious thoughts that lead us down the wrong path in life. You see, Paul is going to say to us this morning that prayer is the pathway to peace. We've already seen some of the reasons why the Philippian church might be filled with anxious thoughts and why Paul would write this, right? Their founding pastor is in prison. They're worried about him. They're wondering what's going on so much that they send Epaphroditus to come check in on him to see how he's doing. They're worried that he's going to be killed. Not only are they worried about what's happening in Rome, they're concerned about what's happening in their own city of Philippi, in their own church. They're facing opposition from the outside so much that Paul would say that it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him since you're going through the same struggle that you saw I had. This church is under attack. Not only that, not only that, are they being attacked from the outside, there's conflict inside the church. There's complaining. There's arguing among the people. Yodia and Syntyche, two sisters in Christ, are at odds with one another. There's pressure coming on the church from the legalistic circumcision group that's saying, hey, the grace of God's not enough. You need to be circumcised. And then there's agony and tears over the other side that are of people that are living carnal lives and yet claiming to be believers. You can imagine the anxiety, the fear, the worry that the Philippian church was facing. And as Paul comes to the end of his letter, he writes, he calls the church to prayer. Prayer is the pathway to peace. And so we read here in Philippians chapter 4. You guys there? Let me get there. We read in Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. He's been saying this over and over. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Joy has been one of the themes of Paul's letter, right? Rejoice. Be glad in the Lord. Be well in the Lord. Thrive in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says here, find joy in the Lord. Don't look for it in your circumstances. Don't look for it in the things that are happening around you. Your joy is in the Lord. And he uses the word Lord there. Why would he use the word Lord? It's an interesting word. This idea of Lord is this idea that it's to he to whom a person or thing belongs. It's, a, it's about which he has power of deciding. Think about that for a second. Rejoice in the one to whom you belong and who has the power to decide over you, the Lord, the one who knows all things. And Paul says there, rejoice in the Lord always. Every situation, we can find joy. In every situation. And joy has an enemy, doesn't it? Anxiety, worry, fear. Those are the great robbers of our joy. 
right? They lure us into carrying things that we shouldn't carry. Putting things into the box that only God should be the one that's carrying it. And yet we cast all of our worry and anxiety into this box and we, and we carry it around. We hold on to this thing. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Don't carry burdens that you can't solve. Don't carry the things that you have no control over. You see, joy has an enemy. And the enemy is anxiety. The enemy is anxiousness. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these first verses here. I think this is a carryover from Euodia and Syntyche. He's saying, be gentle, yielding, kind, forbearing, lenient with one another. Come on, guys. Come on, Clement. Tell these women to be lenient with one another, to receive each other in the Lord. Be gentle with one another. This is how we can carry out the humility that Paul talks about um, in, this, in this book, in this letter. And then he reminds them, he says that the Lord is near. That word is perusia there. The idea is that the Lord, not that he's near right here, right now. The idea is that the Lord is coming. The Lord's, the Lord's appearing, the great appearing that we wait for, that we're waiting for in expectancy. It's coming. And it's near. And so, we kind of get into what I want to talk about this morning and in verse 6. And he begins with a command. The command is this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Right? Do not. This idea, it's a, pre, it's a present continuous to, demand, command. It's like, hey, guys, from now on, Continue and don't, don't pick this thing back up. Don't be anxious about these things. Don't be anxious. This idea of being concerned about, worry, fretting. It's the idea of undue concern. Golly, I'm preaching to this guy right here. This is like the most convicting sermon that I'm going to preach probably my whole ministry. How often? Do I spend time in fear and worry, trying to take matters into my own hands, thinking about things myself? There's no peace in that. There's no joy in that. Jesus addressed the exact same issue, didn't he? Remember it? The Sermon on the Mount? In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 through 34, Jesus says this. He says, So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, right? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be concerned about tomorrow. For tomorrow has enough worry. It will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so Paul says here, he says, don't be anxious about anything. Now, occasionally this idea of, of worry or concern, um, there's, there's a sense where the Bible sometimes uses this idea of a genuine concern. But more often than not, this, this word is, is this undue concern. It's, it's unhealthy. It's unproductive to be thinking about this at the moment. You see, anxiety, it can sap our energy. It saps the focus, our thinking. Um, when we start to think about all the things that could go wrong, why not think about all the things that could go right? Right? Why not? But in most cases... Anxiety, when he says, do not be anxious, this anxiety is going after possibilities that never occur. How often do we do that? A lot. It's a distraction 
folks. It undermines godly faith. It undermines godly practice. And Paul forbids it. This is a command. Don't do it. It's not a request. He's not saying, well, you really shouldn't have any anxiety about these things. He's saying, do not. I think there's sometimes that we seek to, we, to convince ourselves that um, there's worry that's really like holy worry, you know? Is it right to, is it right to worry about our children? Well, I should be wor- worrying about my children, you know? Is it, is it spiritual to worry about having enough money, right, to give to the Lord's work? We should worry about those things. No, Paul tells us that all such worries are wrong. You see, at its root, anxiety, worry, fear is unbelief, right? At the root, is, it's unbelief. It's doubting God's goodness. It's doubting God's grace. It's doubting that God has any power in our lives to perform. Dare I say that some anxiety is sin. It's simply sin. It's not constructive. It doesn't contribute to the solution. It actually becomes a part of the problem. It saps our energy and our focus that could be employed for productive things. That could be employed for verse 8 that we're going to look at next week. You see, worry and fear, anxiety, it's not only... unproductive, it's counterproductive in our lives. Right. Amen. Can't add any time to our lives. Might take some away, I don't know. And so Paul's going to say here, prayer is the antidote to it. You got worry in your life? You've got anxiety? You have undue concern about situations. Prayer's the antidote. It's not wrong, maybe, to be concerned about some things that are important. But so much of anxiety is things that just aren't even true. And prayer is taking these concerns to God, looking to Him and saying, God, I give these things to you. You have the solution. Prayer acknowledges our weakness. It acknowledges our dependence upon God. And so prayer is the pathway to us finding peace in our lives. And in this particular passage, Paul provides this beautiful theology of how prayer works in the life of a believer. Um, Paul doesn't just give one word for prayer. Paul defines it in in several terms, and he gives us this whole spectrum of what it means to pray. So let's look at this pathway here. He says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You see, there aren't certain situations that require prayer and other situations that don't require prayer. In every situation, right? In every situation, prayer and petition. We went away for a little bit on on the men's thing this weekend. And uh, we just went for a couple nights. And uh, Jim, Curtis's dad, was there. And um, he ran a boy's ranch. And and he goes, he needs a lawnmower, right? So he walks into the store with these boys he looks at all the, all the lawnmowers and he says, all right, boys, it's time to pray. They look at him and he's bowed there before the lawnmowers and he's praying, God, could you just help us decide which lawnmower is the right lawnmower for us? That's praying about everything, right? Who prays for their lawn? Who prays about what lawnmower they're going to buy? Jim does. 
Those boys were like, you mean you want us to pray about everything? Yes, everything. Take it to the Lord in prayer. It's the pathway to make sure that you don't have any buyer's remorse when you're done. Now I'll say one time, I bought this Volvo. Well, I'm trying to decide if I should have any anxiety about it now because I'm praying. I, when I buy a car, I pray, God, help me. To, I hate finding cars. God, help me to find the right car because there's so many out there. I'm not, well, not going to buy a new car, so I can't just go there and get the, the new thing that I know is going to be okay. And so I pray, God, help me. Facebook, see this beautiful Volvo. Used to want the station wagon Volvo thing online. This guy up in Ames. I'm praying, and as I'm going there, I get there, I start talking to the guy. Hey, the guy plays guitar. The guy's a Christian. He's a worship leader. I'm like, it's got to be the Lord's will. Lord, you have answered my prayers. <laughs> You've answered my prayers on this Volvo. Man, I got that thing home. All of a sudden, the transmission started to slip, and now I have anxiety and fear. Did God... No, God wanted me to have that Volvo. I'm sure of it. God answers. God answered that prayer. Yeah, and he might have wanted it for me to learn patience and how to work on cars. So, and not to be anxious. Prayer is the pathway to peace. And he says, he begins there and he says, but in every situation, by prayer, this idea of prayer is this idea that, God, I don't want to be anxious about this, right? And so I'm going to come to you. I'm giving you this situation. I'm going to give it to you, God. He goes on here and he says, by prayer, and then he says, petition. Petition is this idea that, that God, I need your help. I need your help, Lord. I cannot do this on my own. I petition you, God, help me. And he adds here thanksgiving. He says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, this beautiful picture of thanksgiving, we're going to hear from John later um, at the end of this. He's going to just share a little his story about thanksgiving and prayer. This idea of thanksgiving is this idea that, that God, you know how things are going to go right? You know how this is going to go. The Lord knows the outcome of the situation that you're praying about. He knows what you need even before you ask it. And so in thanksgiving, we say, God, thank you. God, you know how this is going to go. God, I've tested this before in prayer. And God, I know that you're good. God, I remember the last time that my vehicle broke down and how you just provided for all of it and I had everything that I need. And so, God, I know. I, I'm already thanking you in advance. I know that you're good. I think it would behoove us to have a journal and to write down all the ways that God answers prayer, not just petition and requests, but also the answer that God brings to us. You see, when anxiety starts to knock at the door of your heart, we can take out those things and we can look and see the way that God's hand has been a part of us, a part of our lives. And we can thank God and trust that God will provide for what we need, whatever the request might be. God, I've seen you provide over and over again. Blessed be your name, right? The song says, when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all that is as it should be, blessed be your name. But blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, when I'm walking through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, God. Thank you. He says, 
So in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This idea of request, it's like, hey, God, here are my issues. Here are the things that I need you to sort through, God. And I'm encouraged because I know that so many of you trust the Lord in prayer. You know how I know that? Prayer requests. You request prayer when things are tough in your lives. So many of you believe in the power of prayer. Prayer is the pathway to peace because we can stand and come before the cross and say, okay, God, this box is yours now. I'm leaving it here, and I'm going to walk away from it. And I'm trusting that you're the one that's going to accomplish the things that concern me today. And God is able. He is completely able to do that. There's a sense where through prayer we're transferring our trust, right? We're saying, God, I'm no longer going to trust myself about these things. I'm giving these things to you. I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of those things. I'm going to walk away. And God (laughs) gives us this command. He gives us this pathway of prayer but maybe the most important thing is this, is this next verse 7. He gives us a promise. He says this, and the, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we take our anxiety in prayer, cast it to God, and what do we get in exchange? Peace. God's peace. God, I know you're going to do this. I know you're going to accomplish this. God gives us his own peace. And this is a different peace here than maybe the peace that we get in Romans 5 and verse 8. Okay? Romans 5, 8 is that hey, we were at war with God, unbelievers, right? We surrendered our lives to God, and he brought peace to us. We're at peace with God now. This peace that he's offering here is the peace, this is a peace for believers. If you're here this morning, and you're at war with God, and you're at war with, and you have never put your faith or your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) there's something, there's something, there's a beginning for you. It begins by casting your unbelief at the cross. There's another prayer that you would pray. It's this prayer of confession, this prayer of repentance, acknowledging that you're a sinner and accepting the work that Christ did on your behalf at the cross. That's where peace begins. Peace begins at the cross. Then there's the peace for the believer in Jesus Christ. God's peace here in this text. And he says that um, the peace of God, and then he says, which transcends all understanding. Not only is God's peace sufficient, but God's peace surpasses all human comprehension. It goes, goes, goes beyond anything that we can imagine. You can literally sing in the middle of the storm, as we sang about this morning. You can really do that. John's going to attest to that this morning. Right, John? <laughs> yeah. Think about this, this peace of God that, that transcends all understanding. We can rest from overthinking things. Right? It's beyond comprehension. I found this really cool verse this week. Psalm 147.5 says this, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. 
God has infinite knowledge. God knows every situation. He can think about every angle. He knows the outcome of every situation. Cast your anxiety. Cast your fear on Him. And the peace that transcends all understanding. Let God think about your issue from every angle and let Him be the one that solves your problem. And then I spent a lot of time thinking about this last piece here. It says, The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. God will protect your mind and your heart. This idea of guard, you go back to that or not? No, never mind. Don't worry about it. This idea of guard your heart, it's the word Paul's using this military language in this, in this passage. He's identifying with his audience here. He's saying this, it's the idea of putting a century, right? A guard, a garrison of soldiers surrounding you, guarding you, protecting your way. God doesn't necessarily promise that he's going to answer your requests the way that you want them to. But he does promise that the peace of God will come and that he will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He promises that he will garrison you, right? He will surround you. Why would the Lord need to stand as a sentry over our hearts and minds? Why would God do that? Why would he guard us? The answer is quite simple. We have an enemy. Right? Lies come at us. Where does anxiety and fear come from? It comes from the enemy. And we begin to make agreements with the enemy. We begin to think that these things are true. And they're not really true. We begin to fabricate things out of fear that simply aren't the reality. And when we pray, God sets up this army, this, these heavenly soldiers to guard the entrance to our hearts and our minds. Think about that for a second. Think about it. Do you get that picture? Maybe this would help. When I read that this week, I thought about Psalm 91. Verse 9, it says, If you make the Most High your dwelling, right, running into to God through prayer, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. Listen to this. See the garrison, see the sentry here. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Jesus referred to the lion, didn't he? Who did Jesus refer to when he referred to the lion? Satan. As a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. God says, I'm going to put my angels concerning you, surrounding you, garrisoning, guarding your heart, guarding the door to your mind. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He brings his prayer, his petition, his requests in thanksgiving to me. Because he acknowledges my name, he will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in his trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That is a beautiful picture, folks. 
Think about it this way. Imagine, imagine the Lord Jesus Christ and his heavenly angels standing between me and my anxiety and my fears and the worries that, that, that get me going, right? That's the picture here. Jesus Christ is standing in the way. You see, so now, even if I am looking at my anxiety, Christ is in the way. Christ is standing there, guarding my heart, my mind in Him. It happens through prayer. It happens when we pray, and God promises us peace. And you know what? I've tried it over and over and over again, and I found it to be true. Here's the problem. Instead of being the first thing that I do, it's generally the last resort, right? So what I'm saying to you today is don't make prayer the last resort. If all else fails, pray. It's a bad way to live your life. Before all else fails, pray. And the peace of God will garrison your heart, guard you. What, are, what burdens are you carrying maybe that are robbing your joy? What, what keeps you in constant worry? Man, I've spent a lot of time this week mining the depths of my own heart. Um, so many circumstances grab a hold of me in life and keep me from experiencing joy. They've kept me from really living, moving forward with the things that God wants me to carry. There are things that God wants us to carry. Maybe not the things that oftentimes we're carrying. And I wanted to hear from the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord that came to me this week. I was thinking about it, and I was in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 19. And Paul asks for prayer here. He says, pray also for me. That whenever I open my, out, my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And the word that came to me from the Lord was this. Don't be anxious, be fearless. Don't be anxious, be fearless. What would that be like to live that out as a church? What would it be like for God to grow us as a church in prayer? I've challenged our leaders to come and pray on Sunday morning. And praise God. It used to be that Monty was back there praying by himself and maybe one or two of us would show up. There's probably 15 to 20 of us praying now. I want to challenge you to be a part of that as well. The other thing that kind of came to me was like, yeah, prayer focused as a value, eh, it's kind of weak. We're, we're probably going to change that to relentless prayer. Relentless prayer. Maybe you're thinking about, I don't really know how to pray. Uh, or what to pray. Um, I, have some book, I have a booklet for you. Um, a booklet on prayer as warfare. And um, if you would like a copy of that, um, I have it in my office. My office is a mess right now, but I do have it, and I know where it's at. Um, maybe it would teach you how to pray. And then as I was thinking through this and, and uh, praying about just how to present this to you, um, I thought about John. And John, I want you to come up here. Um, this is, John, come on up. Um, this is John Smith. Um, we, um, 
I, so John and Patricia have been a part of Crossroads for a while now, a couple years probably at least, maybe three already, huh? John serves in our student ministry. Um, John and Patricia taught um, taught our children's ministry for a while, and uh, they've experienced um, quite a few health issues lately, huh? John, just lots of things that have that are concerning that could be cause for anxiety, cause for concern, cause for for fear. And um, I was talking to John oh, a couple Friday mornings ago. I called him and I said, hey, John, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? And, um, and so I prayed, we, we prayed on the phone, and then, and then John said, hey, can I pray? And I was just in, like, <laughs> he was praying. I was just like in tears. I was like, golly, man, there's a lot going on in your life. And he used the, the word thanksgiving. It's like, hey, he's he's got this thing. Don't worry, I'll figure it out. He's doing it. And so I thought, man, I want you to meet John. Wonderful man of God. Patricia and John were just wonderful people. They they serve the Lord with gladness. Um, they serve the Lord. We're gonna we're gonna die with their boots on, right? Is that the plan? Amen. That's the plan. So so John, help us because we we need help. So how has prayer been an important part of your walk with Christ? It's like a keepsake. Does that make sense? A keepsake. That may be an old term. I hope all of you know what that means. Can you define? What it is that you keep, it's hard to decide and determine what is, why is that a keepsake to you? But that's what prayer has become. Prayer has become a part of me. God said to do it, but he gave me a choice of doing it, and I chose to do it. And it's very important. I said, well, how can somebody who made the world... How can a God so big who made the universe want me even to chat with him? But it has. Yeah. And how has praying with thanksgiving been helpful in the midst of difficult circumstances? This is one of the more challenging things to discuss with a non-believer. I appreciate church so much. You all are people, not the building. You as folks. I can talk to you. I can listen to you. So let me kind of give you, take a journey with me. Seven or eight years old, we lived in a house that had a gravel driveway. Remember those? <laughs> you use people from the farm, I'm sure, know, know about those. So the folks next to us had a hill. We were always sliding down that hill in cardboard boxes and running down that hill. So as a seven or eight-year-old, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I come running down that hill. I slipped and fell on the gravel. Well, a seven, we think as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old that we um, can't be hurt, right? So I look down, and then my knee's bleeding and blood's running down. I got a few gravels in my knee, and I go running, Mom! We run into the house, and Mom sets me up on the vanity and starts her work. She takes a cloth or a, a, a cotton swab and alcohol and rubs it. That hurts. She takes methylate. We didn't have any of these things that <laughs> make you not hurt around the... Puts methylate on the wound. That hurts. But you know what? She's loving on me all the time. And she says, now you know God is showing you the consequences of breaking his laws of nature. <laughs> wow. That's, that's adult Laying talk. It on heavy. Yeah, that's adult talk. I, that went over my head. But she said that several times as I was growing up. And now I know what that means. 
So as I'm running out the house, I feel all fixed up. I've been loved. If it were a non-scrape, you know how your parents kiss your owie? Does that fix it? No. But it seems to, doesn't it? It seems to fix it. How do you define that kind of love, that kind of relationship? I go running out of the house and just casually shout back, thanks, Mom, and I go off and play it. I had my leg torn off a few minutes earlier. Now I'm running outside. And our relationship as a child and parent set that up. God wants you to have that relationship with him. The only way to do it is to practice that. You got to be with him. You got to let him fix it. Now, he's a lot more than your mama, of course, and your parents. But that relationship comes from trust. You've been talking about it all morning. How do you build that trust? You show, you have to build it and be with somebody. I can give you a couple examples in church of your folks that I trust explicitly and implicitly. They may not even know this. Jeremy's one of them. I didn't have to go out and have a drink with him, which I wouldn't anyway, but, and he wouldn't anyway, but you don't form trust that way. It's just hard to define. He just does it, and God set him in my life. And I formed that trust by working with him with those kids. And your wife or your spouse or your kids or your friends or your neighbors, God wants that kind of relationship with you. And that's where I'm so thankful. I went running out that door not saying, not knowing why I said thanks, Mom. But I did. God wants you to thank him. And I do. Nothing can happen as bad as when I laid on a table with my heart out and some man working on it, and he happened to be a, a believer for 45 minutes. I didn't have any imaginations of being somewhere else or in heaven or in some other planet. I don't know what went on, but I know what went on before that and after that, and I am thankful for God. I was in his hands. I'm so thankful for all the many things that he's done. Nothing bad can happen because the next step is being with him. Amen, Terry. Amen. Is it too long? No, that's not too long. It's not too long. <laughs> Maybe a last question. How have you experienced the peace of God through prayer? And you've kind of probably already been touching on that, but how do you experience exactly. God's peace? You really put it very good. Um, Again, going back to when I hurt my knee, or had you remember how that happened? What is it that comfort mom brought to me in working on my knee? And, and that, even as a teacher and in, in the public school system, and making new friends or going someplace where there's new people, comfort is very important. And so what I like to do with my kids, what I do with my kids on Wednesday night, is I, I try to make them comfortable. And that is a glimpse of the peace that he wants you to be comfortable, not only with him, but so that you can show your gentleness and you can show your witness like you read this morning about. That's his... It's undefinable, so I feel like I don't have to fully <laughs> define it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's remarkable. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thanks for sharing. Can we, can we pray for you? Thank so you. John, John and Patricia, you know, they love the Lord, have served the Lord, my goodness, for forever? Mm-hmm. Like your whole life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thank, forever. Thankful my parents. Yeah. And um, you know, when I talk to John, I know it's, He's like, man, this, this earth suit is just kind of giving out, but I'm just going to keep going. He's, I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep going until, until it completely gives out, right? Mm-hmm. But you'd like for it to work so that you can keep serving. Doesn't, yep. doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't. Yeah. And Patricia, she's going through some stuff 
right now, just some health issues, and that that creates a whole other level of peace for you, well, opportunity for prayer, I guess. Um, so I'd like for us to just just pray um, for John and Patricia, and then yeah, so let's let's pray. Father, there's when I look at John, God, there's just this. This peace of God that, that transcends all understanding, God, knowing some of the things that um, he's experiencing, the struggle with his health, Lord, the struggle with Patricia's health, the pain, God, that she's experiencing, Lord. And yet, God, there's a sense of, of your peace. There's thanksgiving in his heart, Lord. There's joy in, in John, Lord. When you talk to him, God, there's joy. Father, we look at that, God, and we know that it can only come from you, Lord. You are our source of joy, our source of strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You're our heavenly Father, God, that brings us comfort and love, God, in the midst of the things that we go through, the scrapes and bruises, God, life brings. Father, I pray that you would comfort John and Patricia. God, you would help them, Father they navigate pain um, and uncertainty, God, about future health, Lord. Father, we just place them, God, in your care. We know, God, that you care for them. We bring our petition and our requests for them before you, God, with thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord, knowing, God, that you're able and capable. So, God, we, we trust you. Father, do your work in our hearts, God, as we Look to John's example, Father. Uh, I pray that we would be encouraged, God, in the same way to take our anxiety, our struggles, God, to you. Lord, thank you. Thanks for John's testimony, God, for who he is, the way that you've made him, God, and the beautiful example, God, that he is for all of us, Lord. Bless him, encourage him. Bless Patricia, God, encourage her. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah.